Everybody, Jason Sarney here with FinManiacs.com, and we have a great show to kick off the draft week here on Monday morning. And we have the outsiders, Chip Turner and Sean Williams. Without further ado, let's welcome on in Chip Turner. How are you, Chip? I'm doing good, Jason. Thank you very much. Kicking off draft week here. I know everybody's completely psyched for it. Uh, I think we've seen all of the Mac mock drafts we could possibly want in every conceivable scenario. Um, I think we've just about done all the analysis we can do. Uh, did one final uh, one final show here to discuss what we think might be happening on Thursday, starting on Thursday night. Uh, how you doing there, Sean? Um, I am anxious. I think uh, the month of April just kind of flew by for me. Uh, just getting in the nitty gritty of, you know, wrapping up scouting and uh, trying to piece together rumors or, or thoughts and all sorts of stuff. And now all of a sudden, here we are. And uh, you and I are, what, four days away from, uh, from heading over to Cleveland uh, for our live show and uh, see who Miami takes. Yeah, live. I... I hope the uh, that'll be great, and the live aspect is going to be interesting because I think the weather might be a little bit tricky. Um, from what last I saw on Thursday night, might looks a little little weather looks a little bit sketchy, um, but I think I think we'll be okay. Uh, I know I am personally looking forward to it. It's going to be the largest event that the NFL has had since Super Bowl of two thousand and twenty. Um, and I think we all really needed it. We all really need to see the light at the end of the tunnel with the pandemic. I think it's going to be a wonderful time. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I'm looking forward to Miami's pick at number six. And I think uh, we, we're all going to be there. You, are gonna, you and Jason and I will all be there um, on Thursday. Hope to get some reactions from Finn fans and NFL fans in general, I think, uh, we're going to be able to enjoy ourselves. And I think uh, I, I've, I've said enough about my hope for pick number six. I suspect it's going to be uh, Devonta Smith. I think he's a great fit for the team. Uh, what are your thoughts for the first night of the draft? Well, first, let me start off by saying, as a upstate New Yorker, I'm prepared for the weather we're likely going to see in Cleveland, but that doesn't mean I want to be a part of it. Uh, I thought that that was behind me a little bit. However, I think, uh, like you were saying, just the energy and excitement of everybody to be a part of a live uh, big-time event and show. Um, and the NFL knows how to, to really put on an event. Um, I think it's going to just be a great time. Now, in terms of pick six, I, you know I've been working on my mock draft, and you know I've been working on it because no one's seen it yet. Uh, every time I think I, it's, it's good to go, um, then Kansas City makes a deal with Baltimore, right. or you know I, I do even more deep diving. I think I'm almost to the third round now, and I get there, and I'm like, you know what? Just some of the stuff beforehand doesn't quite make sense. You know, you just get into more research and, and all that stuff. So. Uh, 
this morning I went all the way back up to the top of the draft at pick six. And I did something that makes sense for Miami. And I did something that makes sense for another team. See, I don't think Devonta Smith can or will be the pick at six. I I don't I I find it hard, especially with uh, Greer and Flores being best player av- available at positions of need. I just don't see them justifying even to themselves uh, taking him ahead of a Kyle Pitts or maybe even a Jamar Chase. However, I do think that's that Smith is their guy. Uh, so I actually could see a team, and this is I've this is now a part of my mock. I could see a team like Carolina, who really, really, really needs uh, some more weapons for Sam Darnold. If Darnold's ever going to get a chance, you know, the one thing he didn't have in New York was was weapons, was protection. Uh, the Panthers have been missing uh, that threat since, since Greg Olson left. So I actually have Carolina trading up with, with Miami, taking Kyle Pitts. Uh, it, it cost them a third-round pick. I think they're okay with that. Miami on the on the trade chart comes out just a little bit ahead, uh, but getting a, a, a dynamic player like Pitts, whose measurables have been compared to Calvin Johnson, might be worth that that two spot jump for for Carolina. Then Miami gets Smith, who I think is their guy. He fits their culture. He fits the mold of what they want. And at the end of the day, he's he's Tua's guy. Uh, he's going to be a tool that is going to give to a the best opportunity to reach his potential. So, yeah, that is, and I, we discussed it um, a couple podcasts ago. The reason behind me uh, wanting Smith and thinking Smith is the pick isn't so much that I'm personally vested in Devonta Smith. I think Devonta Smith um, is a weapon that will help Tua, and that is the most important thing. It is that the reason I think it's Smith, who's the guy they want. Uh, and I think that Harris might be the guy they want at 18 is just to give Tua every chance to succeed. Now, that being said, I 100% agree with what you said. Uh, I think the the draft could go one of two ways um, in that you're going to have the three quarterbacks go early, and then you're going to have Pitts go, and then you'll have Jamar Chase go. I think that's an option. Um, there is also going to be an option where I think Penny Sewell might go to bang the Bengals. I, I don't think anybody really knows what they're going to do for 100% certain. Um, so if there is a quarterback available for uh, Miami at number six, the phones are going to ring, I'm pretty sure. I really believe that. Um, and if Kyle Pitts is there at six, the phones are going to ring again just for teams, you know, like you said, wanting to come up and get like a Kyle Pitts. Uh, I think one way or the other, Miami's phones are going to be ringing at pick six, and I think they will have the opportunity to trade down. Whether they do it or not depends on, you know, their personal valuation of the players, obviously, and what they are offered in exchange for, you know, moving back a little bit. It seems but, like they want to stay within a window. Of, I believe they that's have these three guys, so. Yeah. yeah, I think they I think if they can move back and still come out with one of Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase or Devonta Smith, 
that they will do that. And if, for all we know, it might be Jalen Waddle might be on the radar as well. It's just a possibility. Um, but what I <laughs> the, the 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 thin dark part of my personality wants Kyle Pitts to be there at six and Miami to trade back just so we can watch Twitter explode. Because if that happens, if Kyle Pitts is there at pick six and Miami trades out of the spot and somebody else takes Kyle Pitts, people are going to go berserk. And we've had this conversation before. Um, I recommend very strongly that people don't take it personally. Uh, getting personally invested in a player that you insist should be on the Miami Dolphins um, is a recipe for heartbreak, in my opinion. And it wasn't I, last year, luckily. No, last year it worked out perfectly fine. And he was, and quarterbacks are different. Quarterbacks are a completely separate animal. Uh, but once you've got one on your team that you're trying to build around, it becomes a separate conversation trying to get that quarterback in a position to succeed. Um, but again, and I've had we've had this conversation before, and I'll use the money ball quote that I, I keep saying to say to people, you don't have a crystal ball. Just like Brad Pitt said, you don't have a crystal ball. You don't know how a certain player is going to turn out. You may think you know. You can make educated guesses. All anybody is doing make educated guesses. So no matter how pick six goes, if it's traded back to pick eight or pick nine or pick ten or whatever it might be, although the Cowboys, I don't think, are going to trade up. Um, don't take it personally. Just understand that the, the front office is trying to give Tua every chance he possibly can to succeed. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think, you know, between us and every other media pundit out there, uh, we have talked about the first round of the draft till we, uh, we've been blue in the face. And, you know, Greer is, is known for trading back. And I know, uh, like Jason Sarney has said it, Miami could really look to take advantage of other teams' needs by trading back. And I kind of swept that under the rug until I got towards the second, the third round of doing my mock and my research. And all of a sudden, in the second round at pick 50, look who Miami is picking before. And it's about three, four, five teams who all need an offensive lineman. And there is, it, it, it's a deep lineman draft, but it's also, the, the tiers definitely fall off. And some of these guys are kind of pigeonholed to positions. Um, I don't think it's like this ultra great tackle draft. I think some of these tackles are really guards. Um, and the way I kind of had the board shaking up with, with the Dolphins taking Najee at 18, uh, that kind of forces the Steelers' hands in the 20s to go ETN. And then at pick 50, I have Chris Greer, uh, kind of exploiting the Steelers' needs and hopefully a trade we win this time, uh, talking about the Minka Fitzpatrick trade, mm -hmm. and just trading back five spots. But, again, you're picking up a fourth-round pick, which Miami doesn't have. And five picks later, they can still go in a, a ton of different directions because there's still a bunch of talent there that um, Miami could use. But as we've talked about before, they've shored up a lot of their, their depth issues through free agency, which was a brilliant move. And it will allow them to take uh, who I now have them taking at pick 36, 
which is going to be really, really exciting. He's not, you, you might not think he's a perfect fit at first, but let me explain. And that's Jamin Davis. Um, I think there's some linebackers that are going to get picked ahead of him, uh, like Owusu, like Zayvon Collins. And there's just some other teams that have bigger needs than, than finding uh, that linebacker. So he does fall to 36. And I, I know a lot of people want to project him as a 3-4 inside linebacker or a 4-3 maybe weak, weak side linebacker. I think after doing my research, he kind of reminds me of a, a better, more athletic, uh, better pass coverage Kyle Van Noy, who we just got rid of. So he might be the guy that can that can take over that spot and maybe in a year or two do it much better. So I think that would be a pick that we wouldn't be expecting in Miami, but we would be really excited about, you know, having that opportunity. Indeed. I will tell you this. If Jamin Davis is there at 36, I'll be screaming myself for, for Miami to take it because I, I honestly believe he goes to the top 25. I've said that before. I don't think he makes it quite that far. And he, I, I would be, I would not be entirely surprised for him to be picked by Pittsburgh in the first round. Uh, I think he's, I think he's that good of a linebacking prospect. He is, he has the instincts from what I've seen. He's, he's extremely instinctive uh, as a linebacker, but he is more explosive. I think that Kyle Van Noy ever was. He's simply, he's got the quickness um, and the athletic ability to go sideline to sideline like Kyle, like Kyle Vanoy did in his prime, but he, he shoots gaps on run plays better than, better than a lot of your more ballyhooed prospects that I've seen. Um, but I do like what you're saying. I think it has been discussed, and I know we've discussed it, uh, not just on podcasts, but as a as a uh, website that our staff has discussed that I don't think there's any way that Brian Flores doesn't at least try to acquire some picks in the third round or you just move, move down a little bit and pick up even an extra fourth, like an early fourth, late third, something along those lines. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. There are still enough holes on this Dolphins team where there is still a lack of talent as any fan base will I think that Dolphins fans myself included overvalue some of the players we have uh, as far as their not their desire not their commitment but their athletic ability and I firmly believe that this would be this draft is going to be the second step um, after last year being really the first big step toward rebuilding the Miami Dolphins uh, roster in the way that Brian Flores and Chris Reed would like to. This is the second step, and I think they're going to go for an impact player in the first round, or two impact players in the first round, and from that point, and from that point forward, go with what they did last year and pick players who have tremendous upside who are maybe not the most polished players but are very coachable um and we'll see them blossom like we saw like we've seen um andrew van ginkle blossom after he was a pick that was you know had some high upside in the type of player they wanted uh much like mike gesicki had blossomed the past two years i think that's the type of player they're going to see going forward and again i think 
I think very much that Jamin Davis is that type of player. So if he's there at 36, I hope they run with that card to get it to the podium. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the teams picking before Miami, um, he, Jamin Davis, his rawness is, is something that's probably going to keep him out of the top 20 when guys like Zavin Collins or, uh, Owusu Koromoa are just more polished and probably, you know, they have at least the same level of talent and potential. I mean, you've said it before, this could be a gold jacket class for, uh, for linebackers. So then once you get into the twenties, you just got to look at, at the priorities teams need and what's still on the board. I mean, uh, I have Chicago now staying at 20 and Mac Jones slides to them. They can't really afford to pass on Mac Jones. Uh, the Colts have a bigger priority trying to fill the void at left tackle and get an edge rush edge rusher. To me, that's Jalen Phillips. Uh, the Titans need, have decided to rebuild their, their quarterback room. And a guy that can kind of finish that rebuild, that quick rebuild off is uh, Greg Newsom. And, I mean, they have other bigger needs before they look at a guy like a linebacker. The Jets, um, I, think, I think a guy like Quiddy Pay makes a bit more sense for them. Or even in Aziz uh, Ojulari before you you look at linebacker again I, I i think the steelers have to go either line or running back before they can go out and get another one of their their linebackers which is their favorite thing to do they just i mean if big ben is going to have any chance to get back to the super bowl which i don't know that he's going to but he, he obviously wants that chance they have no one on that offensive line to protect them they have nobody at running back that has proven that they can handle the load. And they could also use some corners. So I just don't see them being afforded the opportunity to take Davis. Um, not the biggest fit with the Jaguars. They got Miles Jack. Uh, same, the Browns were are definitely kind of a, a threat, but I had them taking the best kind of X receiver ahead of the Ravens, and that's Terrace Marshall, and somebody who can fill in uh, if OBJ gets hurt, which he has for four straight years. Then the Ravens get, you know, they they lost all their pass rushers, so uh, they take Aziz. Saints take Bateman, because uh, who knows what's going on with Michael Thomas. And then Green Bay finally stops the slide of Caleb Farley, who might actually be the best corner in the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bills don't really need him, and I have them taking Ronnie Perkins because he he's somebody who should remind them a lot of um, Jerry Hughes, and that's someone that they're going to need to replace. Ravens, you know, now they need a receiver. The Bucks don't really need Jamin Davis, but they can take, I guess, whatever they want. I have them taking Elijah Moore. Um, and then the three teams in the, in the second picking before Miami – I guess Atlanta's a threat, but I think Joe Tryon makes more sense for them. Uh, the Jags have to take an offensive lineman at the top of round two and have the Jets taking a corner. But, yeah, I think Jamie Davis would be a spectacular pick at, at uh, 36. Um, and then, you know, middle of the second round or whatever, things can get interesting again. And like I said, if they trade back and maybe pick up another third or a fourth, um, 
a guy I think is high on their radar and I have no sources to back this up, but it's just one of those things where you can kind of feel we've had time to get to know our team. We've had time to get to know the coach, uh, the GM and what they really value. And a guy I think that's going to be high on their radar, uh, who's probably a little high to be taken in the second. And if they assured themselves, oh, they did in my scenario with trading back, they assured themselves of another third. Now they have the opportunity to go out and get a nose tackle like Alan McNeil, um, who is a pure breed nose tackle and by far the best in this in this draft class. And now you have a guy who's going to eat up blockers and allow Raekwon Davis to shift outside a little bit and just feast and, and get in the backfield. And uh, I think that's a guy that they're really going to want and they don't want to be in the position to have to reach higher than they need to. So, yeah. Yeah, I could see that. There's a, there's going to be, um, no matter how much we've prepped, no matter how much everyone thinks they know how the draft is going to go, um, there are going to be one or two picks um, that simply we will look at uh, as fans slash amateur uh, talent evaluators and amateur GMs, armchair GMs, if you will, um, that we'll look at and say, this pick makes no sense. Why, why did they pick this person? He doesn't fit at all for their team. Um, there are a couple organizations. We've named them before. Uh, we've named the Raiders as a team who just might do something completely bizarre uh, and take a player that we were completely unprepared for them to take. Regarding Mac Jones being there at 20, uh, I have zero faith in Ryan Pace as a GM, as a GM for the as you shouldn't. Chicago Bears. <laughs> um, I honestly believe he is a guy who has been hornswoggled in the past, and I think he can be hornswoggled again. Um, he's a guy, if and this is the one that I've I've kept I keep looking at and I keep wondering. If the Patriots don't go with Mac Jones at 15, because I don't believe he's going at three. I I, I really don't. I, no, I, I, know I, I, I think Trey Lance is the perfect prospect for I, that I think, team. Anyway. I think he is too. I don't think he's there. But if Mac if Mac Jones goes top five, first and foremost, he's way overdrafted. He Brilliant. might he, he he very well could be the next super cerebral quarterback who just is so much better than his physical attributes suggest. He might be. Like I, I've I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. I'll be wrong. I'll be wrong ten more times today. Specifically, since I have a a, a teenage daughter, um, I'm always wrong. Trust trust me on that one. Uh, but Miami at eighteen, if Mac Jones is still on the board, it would not shock me to see them trade down just two picks with the bear for like a late third, early fourth. That's where I think that could come from. That extra pick that I believe Miami would love to get. Um, simply because they are the the Bears seem so poor at hiding when they are desperate for a player. They got taken advantage of in 2017 um, when they wanted Mitch Trubisky, and I believe, uh, if I'm not mistaken, San Francisco got uh, two second rounders and a firstborn child in exchange for that pick. If I'm not mistaken, to move from three to two. And it made no sense then. It still doesn't make any sense. 
even even the the desperation of for, of doing that still to this day stuns me um and it would not surprise me to see them get taken advantage of again Maybe, may, and hey, maybe it works out. Maybe Mac Jones is the quarterback that Bears have been needing for years. And so I can't really get upset about that. Um, I have not done as many mock drafts as you have. And by the way, the comment earlier about we're all sick and tired of the mock drafts, I wasn't speaking of yours for certain. Um, it's just that every, every, everybody with a Twitter account has been making them now. And it's just, I look at those and go, I mean, there's all starting they're all starting to blur together for me so um i don't know that the i believe the tackle positions are going to be gobbled up quick like you said uh specifically teams are going to get desperate for it teams are always desperate for quarterbacks and we touched very briefly on it but the 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 domino that i think could start a, another a completely different run is if when the first running back goes because if we discussed it and we'll just discuss it again very briefly this is not a great running back class as far as elite talent there's a lot of depth of this in this in this draft as far as running back goes but as far as elite talent i think you said there you thought i believe you think there's three of them i think it's four because i added michael carter onto it um but how do you think that could shake things up if we get a if the Miami takes Najee Harris and then Pittsburgh get right behind them gets desperate and takes Javante Williams because that's the type of running back they would like? Yeah, I think uh, like I, I mean like I said earlier, if mm -hmm. not if and when uh, Miami takes Najee at eighteen, yep. it, it kind of starts forcing people's hand. Yep. Um, and I think that puts the Steelers in a position where they can't use a luxury pick, if you will, and go get, you know, the, the best player available, regardless of position that's going to fit that program, because they're just a team that's, that's good. That's, you know, right there on the line of playoffs. I know their division's getting tougher and they have to find a way to get over the hump of the rest of the AFC. So I, with the needs they have, I think that that forces them to go and get uh, a running back and that maybe Williams at maybe ETN. I kind of liked ETN for that, for them, just because of how versatile he is. And they yes. still have like a Benny Snell on the, on the depth chart who can, you know, be your power guy, I suppose. Um, in terms of, I just want to, I just want to say in terms of the bears, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy seem to have nine lives. Um, and I think them getting Mac Jones is just them picking up a few more lives because uh, then they get to see how he plays out. I, I don't know. That 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 whole franchise, I just don't understand the decisions they make. But um, I do want to touch on one of our division rivals, and that's the Patriots. And when I've recently been doing, you know, my digging, I love puzzles uh, in terms of like crosswords and Sudoku and things like that. So all of a sudden I'm doing this research and I know the Patriots need a quarterback. Um, Cam Newton is hardly a shell of his former self. It was smart for them, I guess, to bring him back uh, to maybe be a bridge or just be a guy. Um, but when you really start looking at them and kind of diagnosing them and analyzing them like you would the Dolphins because um, they're not an easy to read franchise either you start picking up the signals 
that Belichick wants to move towards a more athletic build quarterback. And they're building their team that way. They're building their offense that way. And I've even seen something floating around Twitter about some fictional from the, the Patriots, you know, locker room, some fictional trade about Jordan Love on an official document, whatever. And I, I'm sure that they've done their research and maybe made that call. But I think that the Patriots are going to surprise a lot of people. And in the second round, they're going to take Kellen Mond. Oh. Um, Kellen Mond is somebody who actually fits them almost to a T. His IQ, his football IQ, is really, really high, um, which will allow him to absorb the complex system that McDaniels and Belichick uh, operate. He fits the mold of exactly what they're looking for athletically. He has plenty of the tools to be a starting quarterback in this league. Uh, he may just need a little refinement, or he needs somebody who knows how to build a system and a scheme that maximizes talent. And who is that person? Bill Belichick. He can get, if there's any coach in the in the NFL that can squeeze every last ounce of potential out of somebody, it's him. And something tells me they're going to go ahead and take like a J.C. Horn or someone in the first round, and then they're going to get their guy in their second. And they love drafting quarterbacks in the second round anyway. Yeah, I could, I, I could definitely see that. If there's one thing that could be said about the Patriots and Belichick, uh, is that they are they're very smart about keeping up with and keeping keeping ahead of NFL trends and the athletic quarterback is 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 here to stay it has been proven to be a successful tool now um Kellen Mond is the, he's an extremely high upside quarterback he is very ballsy. He he is he is fantastic. He I'll hate him in New England. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I don't. He he is not a. He's not a guy that's going to come out and produce in twenty twenty one. There's just no way. He is he is a project quarterback. Yeah, and, and I he, think that's why you get Cam Newton back. Of course, I I I totally get that, and I, that that makes perfect sense. Is to to put him back there and. And try to and try to make him more consistent because that's what I think is the biggest thing with with Calamondo. He was incredibly inconsistent. He'd look he he'd look phenomenal for one game, and the next game he game he would look out and he wouldn't. He looked like he couldn't hit you know he couldn't hit a lake with a football if he was in the middle of a rowboat. Um, and I I don't I don't want to see him on the Patriots. I want the Patriots to be awful for the next twenty years, just because hmm. of what we've gone through as Dolphins fans for the past twenty. Uh, I I am, and I'm on the fence about this. Um, and this is going to stray very briefly away from the draft conversation. I do not believe Bill Belichick is much longer in New England. I really don't. Um, if they can keep their their basic roster the way it is, built the way it is. It's not a. It's it's still not a bad roster. It's a good roster if you look at it, especially the the players they got back, um, who sat out for twenty twenty for because of COVID. Um, I don't believe that Bill Belichick has any interest in completely tearing down a team. That's why they went berserk in free agency. But it makes what you say makes a ton of sense if they can get an athletic quarterback and surround him with say, gosh, two tight ends, which they just got. Um, it, that recipe works. 
it works. It's been it's been working in Baltimore. It worked in Kansas City. Um, he's and obviously uh, Patrick Mahomes is not the same type of quarterback that Lamar Jackson is, but the athletic running quarterback is here to stay. Um, and I think you're going to see a lot more of that transition happening uh, even over the next five six years. So yeah, please, I, I really don't want to. If they if they if the if the Patriots draft Kellen Mond, you're going to see me be visibly upset. Like I just don't I don't want any part of the Patriots making smart picks. I didn't like what they did last year. I hope they do keep doing that stuff like that this year. But we'll see. Um, we're, we're actually we're going to see very shortly. We'll see. It's only four days away. I can't I can't wait, man. I cannot wait. Yeah, I'll never count out uh, Bill Belichick as a guy who's going to stay at the bottom too, too long. Um, I'm sure he kind of has an idea in his head to rebuild the roster post-Tom Brady, hand it over to Josh McDaniels, keep his legacy intact, and show that he can build a playoff team. I don't think he's going to hang around in hopes that they win a Super Bowl, but if he can show that he can build the playoff team that doesn't revolve around Tom Brady. I think that's when he calls it quits. Uh, before we wrap up the show and get everybody excited one more time for uh, what's coming in Cleveland with the Finn Maniacs on, on Thursday and the rest of the weekend, I want to I want you to tell me one position or uh, just one thing that you think you will see from Miami in the draft that will surprise everybody, yourself, maybe even included. And to me, I'll share mine first. I think a lot of people, um, especially ESPN, is pegging, uh, I think Mel Kuyper and McShay just released a three-round mock together, a joint mock, and had Miami just loading up on offensive, uh, offensive linemen in the second round. I think that that might be the one position, I'm not saying they don't get one, but I think that's the one position that they're not really going to to attack that a lot of people in the fan base and in the media think they're going to go after. Your thoughts? Yeah, I agree with you. And it's, it's, if that was the, if there was one, there's one position that I think they are satisfied at an organizational level that they are they are set for the future, it would be offensive line. I would like to see them pick up a center. Um, but it would not surprise me if they stand pat with what they've got. Um, that offensive line progressed nicely last year. It was it it was rough at the beginning. It was it was still better at the beginning than it was the year before. Um, but they they invested three picks in the top four rounds in 2020. So I would not be a bit surprised to see them skip that. The one thing that, and I don't think it happens in the first or second round. But the one thing that I think would surprise a lot of people, and it'll surprise me a little bit, but not a great deal, is if the Dolphins pick up another cornerback. Uh, I don't think it happens in the first or second round, but third round, um, I know we both like Elijah Molden, and I think he might fall that far. If he falls to the Dolphins' third round pick, um, we've, we've, uh, We've heard some heard some rumblings. This is one of those things where I always say those people who say they heard things didn't really hear things. Uh, some rumblings that the Dolphins do like a corner out of the Pac-12, and it wouldn't surprise me if uh, if they pick up Elijah Bolton in the third if he's there. Yeah, uh, 
during my analysis, I kind of looking at the the cornerback class. I think it's so deep, and there's there's a lot of versatile talent in that in that group. I don't think we're going to really start seeing corners come off the board until a little bit later, uh, maybe the back end of the second uh, and start of the third. Uh, I only have a few of those like second tier talents coming off in the second round, like uh, Asante Samuel, uh, Calvin Joseph even slides farther than he's being projected. Um, My one surprise is all the way at the top of the the second round, and that's uh, the cornerback out of Syracuse, Melifanu. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's only because he just he he, he just fits uh, Robert Sala's you know defense and what he loves so much that I think they're going to be willing to reach on him. But yeah, I could definitely as of right now I don't I still have Molden on the board, um, and I think a lot of these corners that we think uh, a lot of people think are you know maybe late first or second round guys we're going to see them being taken in the third just because of. Uh, other positions that are, you know, not as deep and people are going to be competing for that. Um, I also think that that second tier of offensive linemen doesn't start going until the the middle, late second round. Um, and I do, if Miami takes a, an offensive lineman, like maybe 50, um, it all depends on how the board falls. I still have Jalen Mayfield on on my board at 50. Um, they could really like him as a versatile option that can play either the either side or either uh, position on the right side, just like Robert Hunt can. Yep. Um, maybe Quinn Miners is there, uh, who they could really love after you know being able to coach in the Senior Bowl. <laughs> maybe Creed Humphrey slides, but um, I just don't think if if alignments at the top of their board when they pick at any of these picks, sure, I think that they'll look to take that but I don't think that that's a position they're going to be forcing at all. And the one position I'd like to see them take, which I don't think they're going to be looking too highly at is safety. And that's just because I know how much Brian Flores loves, loves, loves Bobby McCain. Um, He's the heart and soul of the entire defense and might be the heart and soul of the entire team. Um, He's just the, absolute epitome of a Brian Flores guy and he does his job well uh, I I can't recall one game last season where I was like damn Bobby like you, you missed that play and that that screwed us over and then obviously we have Eric Rowe who's become you know a top t- NFL tight end eraser uh, and he's still pretty young so I could see them avoiding um, safety and unless maybe they get you know a middle round pick and then take a look at it but uh, yeah, I think that that's another position they might skip, which I'd like them to get more depth at. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't know that that Miners falls anymore. I mean, he's he's reaching near cult hero status, not just yeah, yeah. not just with the Miami fan base, but across across the uh, the NFL landscape. He's uh, he's he's reaching some 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 near Babe Ruthian type of type of hype <laughs> as far as Especially as after- far as his personality. Yeah, especially after guys like Ali Marpet and Ben Barch are are taken in the second round uh, right. out of the Division Three ranks and become very solid NFL linemen. Yeah. So, but hey, here's the thing: we're heading out in a couple of very few days here, and we're all we're all going to find out together on Thursday night 
um, who was right, who was wrong, and who gets to who gets to freak out for whatever reason because they didn't beat the player they want. But some of us will be happy, some of us won't. But we're all going to find out together. Yeah, I'm excited. I'll see you uh, in Cleveland bright and early uh, Thursday, and uh, I'm just I'm ready to absorb it, and I'm I'm ready to give you know some of our fans uh, kind of a unique experience. Uh, a more Dolphin-centric draft experience than you'd get on, you know, NFL Network or, or ESPN. So uh, I think with that being said, I'm going to throw it to uh, Jason. Yes, sir. Guys, terrific job. And I'm looking forward to seeing you guys in Cleveland. And we will be rocking and rolling in days. So terrific show. And see you soon. Fins up, everybody. Fins up. Fins <laughs> up.